Hello and welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful, perfect, spectacular episode where nothing has gone wrong yet of Normandy FM. Uh, oh boy, this is going to be an episode already, I can tell. Um, for for the folks at home, it might be important to note that this is the first time we have recorded using video, and probably the only time, and no, we are not publishing this video. This will anymore. never happen again. This this will literally never happen, unless we do another PAX panel. But mm. uh, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts here, uh, Eric Van Allen, alongside Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm dead. It's been a week. Dead inside. Week to be dead. I'm alive, but I'm dead. What what could we possibly do to educate ourselves about The Walking Dead? Fuck if I know. We could we could play the video game, Ken. Uh, no, we played one zombie game already. We don't need to play another one. <laughs> we can educate ourselves more with the help of one and only Blake Hester. Blake, it's about damn time you got on the show. How you doing? Hello. Yeah, it was weird you all didn't ask me on the Mass Effect season since those are my favorite game series of all time. I just found that a little interesting that I wasn't asked to be on those. What's up with that? We didn't want our guests to have to like <laughs> compare to the amount of knowledge and lore that you were going to yeah. bring. You know, it was intimidating. <laughs> exactly. the, the the sheer depth of what you knew. Uh, so we couldn't do that. Truly, no one knows more about the Gorgons than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Gorgons famous reptilian race that was genophaged <laughs> in the mass effect universe <laughs> and no one knows better than me what the word genophaged means <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah who, who, who more than blake hester <laughs> oh yes. god thank you for having me on the show oh but we're not here to talk about mass effect and it's gorgons we're here to talk about the last of us part two so before we get into it Blake, why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself? And uh, also, how did you get into The Last of Us? Mm, I am Blake Hester, most well-known for um, being the host of Game Query, the mm-hmm. internet's best and funniest video game podcast. But uh, my side hustles have included uh, being a senior associate editor for Game Informer, as well as a longtime freelancer for outlets such as Polygon, Vice, Rolling Stone, U.S. Gamer, um and according to my tinder bio a long time ago playboy um (laughs) got a bunch of messages about that i recommend putting that in your tinder bio um my relationship i was thinking about this earlier today my relationship with the last of us i remembered this so prior to being a games writer i was um in like metalcore bands Mm -hmm. not like good not like good ones or anything um but we uh the very final tour one of my bands did uh was objectively a disaster and completely broke the band up and severed relationships and all of this and i I remember being stuck in orlando florida uh for several days and the last of us had come out and i pre-ordered it and as my life was imploding my dad who went to pick up my pre-order for me because i not in the same state he sent me a picture like i have your game i picked it up don't worry and as my life was falling apart in orlando orlando florida which um as far as i know is where most people's lives fall apart if you end up anywhere in florida it's usually bad news all around um i would look at this fucking picture of the last of us on my phone and it would make me feel better because i was really excited to play the game and everything else in my life wasn't working out. <laughs> so I just look at it and be like, 
oh, I can't wait to get home. And then that band broke up, but I, but I still played the game, and it was great. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. My actual relationship with it is I like The Last of Us quite a bit for the obvious reasons that everyone else likes it. Um, and when The Last of Us Part Two came out, it was, you know, a game I was very interested and excited to play. And I did. And I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was good at what it did. And um, I didn't read what anyone wrote about it because I didn't care what anyone else had to say on the fucking map. What a fucking I mood. Damn. Yeah. I can't believe uh, you didn't read noted writer Kenneth Shepard's incredible takes about The Last of Us. Award nominated Last of Us takes. Actually, I will say I did read Ken's very touching piece on The Last of Us. But for the, uh, for the large majority, I avoided most takes on this game, mm. uh, as I do most games. Because um, it's just a game I want to enjoy myself. I don't like, it's not a game I write about or talk about often. It's just something I'm like, I like this and I don't really need to be a part of the discussion. Mm. Except for now, yeah. where I am now part of the discussion. I'm ready to say... All this game has to say is violence is bad, and you know because of that, I think it's a lesser game with a weak storyline overall. Mm. Fucking We're hell. finally getting the negative takes on here. Hot damn! Wait, what, what, what the uh, fuck was last week? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a fair take. I'm being I'm being dumb. I think that's a fair take. It's not a take I agree with, but I do understand that viewpoint from people. Mm. But I'm happy to talk about my takes on it. Yeah. And for also, for those who don't know, it's extended Normandy FM lore. Blake made the music of our Mass Effect seasons. Mm-hmm. I did! Mm-hmm. I forgot about that! Yeah. You're- extended, extended lore. Yeah. The only advertisement advertisements we ever ran on Game Query were for Normandy FM. Yep. The and whole vice versa, I think. Yeah. 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 AJ did an ad, wrote an ad for it. That's right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ancient, ancient lore. So it's about time we got this crossover going. Um... I do have to double back real quick uh, on one thing that you mentioned in there. You put your bylines in your Tinder bio. Uh, when I lived in, yeah, uh, when I lived in Minnesota for funnily enough, a game and former internship, which is where I work now mm-hmm. um, in my, I downloaded Tinder for the very first time. And I was like writing my bio and like, like usual, I was just crushing it. Total charmer bio mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. across the board. But I put in there, wrote an article for Playboy one time because I did. Um, I wrote uh, something about the division for them when Micro Joe was running that vertical. So I just like threw it in there as a funny little aside uh, and not, didn't really think anything of it. But when I would match with people like numerous times, they would message me and be like, you really write for Playboy? And I'd be like, yeah. I did, yeah, and it's not a lie. And I got it. I got a couple dates out of it that way. Some would like ask me, and I'd be like, "Yeah, here's the article," and they'd unmatch me immediately because they back out. Oh, he writes about video games. I gotta get the fuck out of here real quick. <laughs> uh, but I definitely went on one or two dates with. Uh, I, I know one specifically. I went on a date with a girl whose opening message to me was like, "You for real, real for Playboy?" And I was like, "What? Well, yeah, don't I look like a Playboy? A strapping young lad such as myself." I gotta remember uh, to do yeah. that. I don't think my articles are are our articles on that site anymore. I think they're just no, gone now. no. In later in later stints on Tinder, I left it out because it's like I can't send an internet archive link. I'm gonna look. Right. That's gonna look bad. That's a bad yeah. look. And I'm I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know, check download me out this on. PDF. <laughs> yeah. Now now I put host of game query and 
can't keep them off of me, really. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a flex as that. They're barging down the door. The game We Are Billions, They Are Billions, is actually about women storming your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually the number of monthly lessons game Corey got. You, yeah, you are billions. Correct. You were you were modest we, in it. I thought I thought it was nice that you only went for billions. It was modest of you. Yeah, it was weird. We had a billion listeners and only made less than a hundred dollars on Patreon. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, God. Sorry. oh my I'm, god i'm derailing oh okay no. we're not even on the rails yet we haven't gotten to, on to the rails to continue like to you start expected yet. this podcast no to i was like rails I, at any point i was looking at like our schedule for our last season and i was like man this is like a whole lot of good shit then there's fucking blake then there's a whole bunch of good shit after because like <laughs> this is gonna be the episode that like we're gonna be talking about the like some of like the darkest moments of this game and not gonna be able to keep a straight face during it no, absolutely not. Once once Blake said, we doing video or what? I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's fucking over. <laughs> it's a Normandy FM uh, face reveal. I'm, I'm excited to talk about day three. Um, mm-hmm. If only because excellent puke physics in this game. Naughty Dog went above and beyond uh, in the vomit department. I've never seen such realistic vomit as in The Last of Us Part 2 when Ellie vomits after killing a pregnant woman. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, because I was like, I thought the Dina puke scene was in the last one, but we get multiple puke scenes in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, they Naughty... really pushed that tech further, honestly. It looks great. Uh, if I'm, I'm, I think I'm remembering differently. Like, doesn't the, the, the puking happen day three from another perspective? No, Ellie thought... pukes when okay. she finds that when she kills the pregnant lady. And then uh, Owen's like, uh, you just killed a pregnant lady. And Ellie's like, oh, appara- that, I guess that matters to me now. And she throws up, and it looks spectacular. It's like, hmm. can't wait to see okay. it mm-hmm. on PS. Anyway, that's that's the fucking end of this episode. We need to start at the beginning. <laughs> so, several days later, I threw up, and my first thought afterwards was like, wow, that looks just like The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. But we do have a flashback to cover at the beginning, and for some reason, we we kept all the real big shit for this episode, and I am suddenly regretting it, Ken. <laughs> but um, we do have one flashback to talk about that happened before day three starts in earnest, which is uh, we're back at St. Mary's Hospital. It's two years prior to Ellie storming Seattle and looking for some folks to kill. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellie obviously has had her confidence shaken a little bit over the course of the flashbacks that we've had thus far um, in Joel and in, you know, the truce or not truce that he is telling her about what happened uh, with the fireflies. And so when it opens on her, you know, riding up to St. Mary's hospital, it's kind of this already like, Oh, Oh, Oh shit. We're, we're like doing this. We're doing this. Um, and we can look in her journal and find that uh, she had basically decided to just take off and, and like not tell anybody. It was just like, I need to go find out. Um, and I think the real big part where this actually hit was not when we first see her riding up to St. Mary's, but it's when she's walking through the halls. And I was like, oh, this is like the same hall mm. that I walked down as Joel when I was getting my murdering on. And killing a bunch of these people uh, in very angry ways, um, but we we pick up a bunch of different letters that kind of detail 
a little bit of what has happened to the Fireflies, like in the aftermath, uh, we get an idea that they kind of disbanded and things kind of fell apart. Some people wanted to keep keep it together and keep looking for a cure and keep trying to figure it out. Uh, and others were just like, nah, it's over. It's done. Uh, we can't do this anymore. Uh, we find brain scans of, of what looks like Ellie's brain and pictures of her bite mark. But uh, Ken, as you note here, like, walking back into the operating room is a mm. whole ass thing yep. like fuck i mean i mean do we just want to start with like i can't believe that i i i, I can believe it but i'm just like they really nail how much this this moment hits mm -hmm. especially like maybe it is because i'm playing them back to back but i'm interested to hear like how it was for y'all who played this game at the time to like go back to this section and play it again yeah, it, there's like a it, it's a, a very haunting moment, and I think the, the game does a good job of like not necessarily having to like bring attention to how haunting it is. I think like it just speaks for itself, and like you are in this environment like where it's mostly the same, but it is a little bit different. Like like you go in and you can still see like the blood smear on the ground for where the surgeon was killed, and you know like it doesn't like even make a point to like point the camera at it and like make Ellie notice it, but it's something that we like you know as this third party kind of know like see significance of, and. You know, and we get like these uh, these letters and such that say basically like what we did here as Joel ended the fireflies. Basically, was like the point where everyone just kind of gave up. Um, so it it is interesting because like it's not until we do find that recording later that Ellie really knows the extent of what happened. But like you can, it does a very good job of like you know just like making you understand as the more you go, the deeper you go in, and the more you read these notes and like the extent of what was happening and also what ended up happening in the fallout. Blake, how did you feel about this moment the first time you played it? Mm. I feel like I was suckered into crying by this moment. Really? <laughs> because it's like, it sets you up. It's like, you see that hospital and you're like, oh man, you're really going to, you're pulling out all the stops mm. to get mm. to get this out of me. And like, in some ways that's blatantly effective mm. because it's like we're gonna put yet the ground zero for this moment right, right? you know like um <laughs> it's and in some ways it feels like kind of a sucker punch where it's like oh come on don't don't do this mm. to me right now um no I, I i i'm not a big like crier um in media video games especially and i do remember playing this the first time and it wasn't specifically the hallway it was the confrontation that comes mm. afterwards but you know that's the end cap of this whole thing so i i remember it being very like the moment the game kind of got to me after a while i mean and that's also coming off a dozen hours of some pretty gnarly oppressive shit um that can kind of like dig its dig its fingers into you but yeah i i this moment like stands out to me as kind of like a really good representation of betrayal in video games. And like, that's applicable beyond just like, you know, the, the narrative, the objective narrative of the game of like, there's a, there's a zombie virus and my brain was supposed to cure mm. people, but you took that from me. Like it's, it's applicable to so many actual like human interactions that we've all experienced and i th think what made it powerful was that interaction actually like really felt human beyond the like i, I don't know otherworldly events that set that conversation mm. in motion like 
I, I can I can kind of transplant myself into um, conversations I've had in my real life, whether being on both sides of that, mm-hmm. to be honest, you know. And yeah, I thought the performances there were really solid and sold a really awesome portrayal of like, no, as far as our relationship goes, like you really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that really stands out to me as like a powerful moment like that I've kind of meditated on in the ensuing year after I first saw it. of mm-hmm. like, wow, they fucking nailed that, yep. you know? So like, yeah. That uh, it's a it's a a moment from this game, almost more than a lot of others that sticks in my brain. I think this is a moment where, like, we talked last episode a lot about like what is the importance of who you're controlling and how that character relates to the player. Um, because in moments, you know, like we mentioned last week, uh, it can try to kind of put you into Ellie's shoes and then separate you and it can create all these this weird friction in some cases especially in that that last scene but i think in this case this moment works because of the relationship that the game is built between the player and ellie specifically not just over the course of the last of us part one but even in last of us part two like the fact that this is the third flashback we're seeing that they've been building up us seeing through ellie's eyes instead of seeing through joel's eyes um understanding their relationship from a different standpoint and seeing the ways that Joel can both be this like excellent father figure and also be very withholding, you know, kind of keep some secrets and stuff like that, uh, cause some reason for Ellie to worry. And so, you know, it's not a shocker for us. We already know what happened in this hospital. Mm -hmm. This is not like, this is not news to anybody, (laughs) but it is news to Ellie. And so we're not seeing it as like the person that is like, Oh my God, I can't believe this character's done this. We know what this character's done. We've known it the whole damn time, but we're seeing Ellie realize it for the first time. And so when it pans back out to the hospital and we see her just sitting there and like, just kind of, almost practically waiting for Joel to show up. Mm. And it's just like, oh, yeah, no, this is like, like this is going to hurt because we're going to feel kind of two parts of how we viewed this, this story and this tension that's built up over time start to tear at itself and, and start to, to work itself apart. We're going to see like why Ellie feels the way she does when we first start playing her at the beginning of Last of Us Part Two. Like I've kind of been up and down about the structure of the game thus far, the way it's been jumping around perspectives and times and stuff like that, and how that felt very different from the last of us part one, which is like way more like straightforward in its approach. And it was trying to tell like one story, like one line to the other. But I think this is where it kind of culminates and works really well. And it's advantage. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think a lot of the last of us part two is like built upon Joel's betrayal, obviously. mm -hmm. Um, and what I find interesting about that is removing the, I don't like, you know, <laughs> basic plot from the game and the examination of betrayal in the game, mm-hmm. um, I find very interesting. And it's why I, 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 not that I don't understand the kind of uh, discourse consensus around this, that it's just a, a, a allegory about how violence is bad, but it's it's part of the reason I kind of like dispute that. Because I think a lot of what this game is actually about is betrayal. And in a lot of ways, even though you play it as Ellie, I think the writing of it is kind of a first-person examination of betrayal and 
how you kind of carry that and like how you deal with it yourself when you have betrayed someone and like as a recovering addict i've done some pretty heinous shit uh not damned the world to um you know continued mm-hmm. apocalyptic dumb but um as a recovering addict like you have definitely caught co- you have uh, been the causer of a lot of betrayal mm-hmm. or at least in my case i, sh- I don't want to speak for every addict um and th- I, i've often found that to be a um not addiction specifically but like a a recurring theme in this game is kind of like what do you do when you hurt someone beyond repair and how do you deal with that while contrasting that with how does the other person deal with that? Um, and I think this scene does a, a good job of like kind of confronting that head on. Like how are both parties going to move on now that this betrayal that they both knew about effectively is out in the open and how does that change dynamics? Um, and I think that's a really interesting theme in this game that obviously uh, is exacerbated by this explosion of emotion here. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Just like touch on that. Like, I don't even know that like consensus is the way I would use like thing out you to describe it. Like in terms of people talking about like this is a meditation on violence. Cause I think that is fairly low resolution in terms of like what this game is talking about. Cause I think like last yeah. of us hasn't done anything really to, I, I don't think that any either last of us game does much to kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that it necessarily talks about violence as an idea being this, like, inherently immoral thing. Like, oh, this game is all about, like, you know, a meditation on violence. I think it is more just about, like, and not even necessarily even revenge. It's just, like, how long are you going to let something eat at you to the point where it affects every other aspect of your life and it blinds you from the things that are important? And at what point yeah. are you able to come back from that? And that is you know, a game long theme that we will be discussing throughout this whole, um, this whole season. But, um, yeah, there are just like yeah. certain things. I'm like, yeah, like the, the language that these characters speak is violence, but it's not like that's what the game is about per se. Sure. I mean, to be fair though, I, I do think it is saying if violence is kind of wrapped up in the broader theme, you know, it's touching on violence as much as it's touching on other things, but I yeah. agree that it's not like the sole focus of it, mm. you know? Um, I mean, the same way a movie about revenge is about violence, but, like, there's obviously something a little deeper there. Mm-hmm. You just need to, like, be able to read the other pages of the book, you know? Right. Like, violence is just the the way that a character is expressing the emotion that they are feeling. And in some cases, like, the emotion that they want from others. And I think all all of Last of Us Part 1, I was talking about how that game felt like it was a meditation on what you know, what would be something that could cause Joel to make that kind of choice, right? Mm -hmm. Like what would drive this character to literally, you know, damn the world uh, and, and make that, that selfish of a choice. And I think the opposite is true in last of us part two so far is like, what is the thing that is going to make someone stop being selfish? Because like Mm. that is as we get into day three, this is like the conflict that tugs at Ellie this whole time is she wants revenge. She wants violence. She is actively seeking it out. Mm. And there are a million and one reasons why she should just stop. And characters keep trying to tell her, hey, 
are this has to be good enough you have to be okay with this outcome and i have a feeling that's going to continue being the case (laughs) through a lot of this game is yeah she's not going to be satisfied and um it's it's a question of like what will it take for you to be okay with that and are how much are you willing to give up to just keep trying to to fill that need when are you going to say that's enough and turn the faucet off you know like that's Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and uh, so it does feel like an interrogation of what Joel did. Sorry, I just, I was just gonna say it feels like an interrogation of what Joel did, and even Joel in the flashbacks feels icky at times because you know that he's hiding this still. You know he's still keeping it from her, mm-hmm. even when she's outright asking him. Even when she is like multiple times before this one final time where she poses this ultimatum. You know, she's heard the recording. She's heard that all the fireflies are dead. Um, or, or, or have left in some way um, that even if they did find Ellie, the only dude that could have made this vaccine was straight up murdered by Joel. And like, she, she says like, I will, and this is the interesting part to me. She says, I will go back to Jackson. If you tell me the truth right now, what, no matter what it is. And if, if you don't, I'm leaving and I'm, I'm never coming back. You're never seeing me again. Um, and, I think this like something flips here. I think there's a switch that flips here somewhere. Um, but were you going to say Blake? Oh yeah. Um, it, it was incredibly important. I think you, you said that she wants revenge and I, I was just going to say, that's a great band. I recommend everyone should listen to she wants revenge. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Glad we circled back to that. So important I can that, that we did that. Up. Um, yeah. Um, and while we're at it, while while we're on the topic of jokes, I do want to say um, also you would not believe your eyes if you saw 10 million dead fireflies at the hands of Joel Miller. Mm-hmm. So which one of those two did you think was better, the Owl City or She Wants Revenge? Joke? I like the Owl City one, honestly. The, the Owl okay. City one was good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Maybe cool. I'll name the yeah, episode. We can, we you can not believe make your... myself believe <laughs> there's no cure for this disease. Wow. Um, Amazing. <laughs> Can I ask? This is uh, as as three three men that none of us have kids. I think we all collectively make up one father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've sometimes heard fathers speaking about this game, talking about how they Joel's actions are unforgivable. You do what Joel did, right? Like you, you da- like you damn the world, right? To not have your kid killed, right? Like if if you're a father and you say you'd kill your kid to save humanity, you're still a piece of shit for killing your kid. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean we've like had like longer discussions about this, like you know, and especially in last season. And I, I yeah. just like I think it's like with age, like and just like more like understanding of like why somebody cares enough about a fucking kid to like do what Joel did. I, yeah. I just, like, I find the character more sympathetic all around, and, like, I think that there's, like, a an insistence amongst some people to, like, put some kind of universal, uh, Joel's a monster, Joel's the bad guy of these games, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh my god, dude, yeah. like, you, could you, like, think about it a little bit harder? Like, mm. Also, like, we discussed this last episode, but it always feels reductive to talk about it in that way, too, mm-hmm. because, like, I don't think the real question is whether or not Joel is... is I mean, you can have that discussion of like whether Joel is good or evil, but to turn it into that sort of like the way that a lot of 
you know, like comic book style fandoms will do where they're like, oh, no, this is Joel was justified. Joel can do no wrong. It's like, no, Joel is a compelling character because we ask these questions about what he does. Mm. And it's okay to have a character that lives in that gray where some people can think he's right and some people can think he's wrong and and everyone else somewhere in between. But it always feels reductive to just try and and I'm not saying you're doing this, Blake. I'm just saying that, like, I I see it online a lot where people are like, Mm no fuck you joel was right joel did the right thing and they're like they take it personally and i'm like no this is why joel is a good character is because you debate whether what he did was right or wrong yeah but i'm asking would you all kill your kid or i mean i'd probably kill some people to save my cat so like i mean yes i don't have a a... human child but i have a dog over here and i'm kind of attached to her a little bit I've thought about this before, and I don't want to set the world on fire, but I think I'd save my kid too. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah, like that. I I'm not a father, but I feel like if I was a father, I'd feel more strongly about sorry the rest of the world. I'm saving my kid. Jo- Joel Miller, innocent. We've also made a fair. We've also made a fair case on here that like the world is already pretty fucked either way, and like curing the infestation is kind of just like it's solving one problem but it's maybe not solving all the problems in the world yeah um, i got i mean i got lots of questions about how the distribution of these yeah how do they plan to I'm produce sh- and distribute this, this this vaccine like yeah the fireflies have yet to have a press conference talking about how they're going to be able to distribute this on a global level i mean i'm sure i, has I don't it, even has it been airfare is it improved yet is it yeah you gonna tell me the FDC still around? Fuck no, they're gone. So who? Fauci's like, gonna get any... up there and be like, "We need." Yeah. <laughs> There's no clinical trial of this going on. Like, get out of here. Just, I don't want to set the world on fire, but I guess I'm watching the motherfucker burn. That's all I'm saying. I'm saving my kid because fireflies ain't. As far as I know, that I quote unquote doctor is mixing some like brain matter with Bud Light Limerita and calling it a vaccine. Yeah, how do we know <laughs> that the fucking surgeon isn't an anti-vaxxer? I know that sounds crazy, but in a post-COVID <laughs> world, I, I have a few more questions about medical professionals than I used to. Get out of here. Last of Us Part 2 is you find out that Abby is anti-vax. <laughs> yeah, Joel Miller innocent. <laughs> Shut it down. Oh, this went way off court. the rails already. Uh, we're, um, we're like still in the first section. <laughs> yeah, and one of the most emotional sections. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, go up for a little but I, yeah, I, I do want to note real quick that like Joel does tell the truth here and mm. and straight up says yeah. it. Um, and we kind of have like the end point here now. Like we essentially understand why, and I think maybe the the thing that that sticks me the most about this is like this flashback was two years ago. Mm. So like Ellie and Joel have been at odds and ends with each other over this for two years at the point that we start playing last was part two, like in the modern timeline. Mm. So, um, I, as I understand, there are more flashbacks to come in the future, but, um, it makes you wonder like, you know, where does that even go from there? Mm. What do you even do? Yeah. And, and you know she she ends it with like we're done mm-hmm. that's it yep yeah and oh. we've all been there oh. we've all been there yeah and, and it it also like coming immediately off the Nora conversation where we find out that ellie i mean 
Because, like, even that, the Nora scene was where we got kind of, like, a reveal that Ellie knew what Joel did. And then, because mm-hmm. yeah. when Nora realizes who Ellie is, she says, like, you a Firefly? Like, because, like, you know, she's made that connection. So, like, it's it's interesting to me that what one of the things that was the standout thing to me the first time I played this was that, like, it, it was like, oh, I know fuck all about what's going through Ellie's head right now. Like, that is mm-hmm. something that becomes very apparent to me at this point, because, like, why, if she is was on such terms with Joel, like why is she so compelled to go to Seattle to do this? If she, um, may, like if she was, you know, upset about what he did, would she not sympathize with people that maybe came to Jackson to do what they did? Um, so it just leaves me with a lot more questions. Like at this point, just like wondering, what am I supposed to feel about this character in terms of like what she's doing and why she's doing it? Because I, there's a part like at this point we are still kind of left wondering why she is doing this and that is an interesting tension i believe yeah um i don't know it's just a lot of feelings man it's a lot of feelings and then we pinwheel right into day three starting off and uh oh well i I think it stings a little bit extra that ellie wakes up alone Mm. and all that especially after like admitting what she had done to dina the day prior and all that um you mean Nora? And what's up? You mean to Nora? What she did to Nora? No, I mean she admitted what she did. Oh, that's to what she. Dean. I thought, yeah, yeah, she, she admitted it to Dean. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, but we head into the lobby and Dina's still not doing great, and uh, Jesse obviously has figured things out a little bit. Sharp tech that he is. <laughs> uh, so he's like, okay, you know, we can't leave Tommy behind. Uh, but it's clear that Dina needs care. Dina mm-hmm. needs to go home. So we, kn- and we also know that like, you know, and this is obviously maybe the first thought is like, Oh, Jesse could go back with Dina and leave us here. But like, we know that Dina's not going to leave mm-hmm. without Ellie. So we're basically going to like stake out the aquarium because we figure that Tommy probably is getting the same Intel that we are in some way. Um, and, uh, we're going to figure it out there and we're just going to wait for Tommy and then we're going to get the band back together and head home. Right. That's the plan. Right. That's all we're going to do. Right. <laughs> that's a cool way to end the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's everyone it. Everyone just, everyone just has a, everybody last moment and then they leave. Yeah. They kill we, Abby and it's fine. A fair and proportionate response. <laughs> and everyone goes home happy. Um, they adopt that dog. Which yeah. Was a nice touch. At yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. Apparently the dog is like a big thing. Maybe I'm going to know more about this when we get to, to day one of, of the next section that we're talking about. But everyone I've talked to has been like, oh, yeah, and that dog part in day three. And I was like, what do you mean? It was just a fucking dog. And they're all like, oh, <laughs> I I had a feeling I had a hunch. I was like, this is going to be one of those things where they're like, surprise, it was a good dog and not a bad dog. But <laughs> um, I mean, you. I, I think what they're saying is you stab a dog in his jugular vein, and that's pretty harsh just on its own. Yeah, but it went to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. So, in well, not that dog because it was the bad people's dog. Oh, we, we stabbed it in the wrong place, and it went to dog. Yeah. First dog yeah. to go to dog hell, we sent it there. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we even pick up from there? <laughs> we, just, we, leave the, we leave the theater. Yeah, so we leave the theater, and we take off for the aquarium, and uh you know we we have a little bit of a little bit of chatter um between Ellie and Joel um Jesse. Joel's dead 
sorry, I was reading. This is this is why I don't talk and read at the same time. Ellie and Jesse. Um, we kind of tell Jesse like a half truth mm. about why mm-hmm. they were after Joel. Um, you know, they're like, Joel was smuggling something. There was a disagreement about it. A little bit of fight broke out. He killed a bunch of fireflies. Oh man, that was bad. Was like, <laughs> leave out the really salient details. <laughs> the very important think, bits. What do you think the, the reasoning behind that was? Because I, I feel like it could come down to a few things. Either A, Ellie doesn't want to reveal the gravity of her situation to Jesse. B, or B, she doesn't want to relive it right now. Like it's too painful. It's easier to mm. kind of like tell a, a little white lie on a few parts to just like be like all right i can get over this conversation really quick which one of those do you think it is my read has always been that she it was another thing of like not telling somebody about her immunity and that was just yeah you know yeah like she didn't even want to tell dina but shit happened and she right. had to and she hasn't she hasn't told dina that that's why right well I, I mean obviously she hasn't really had a chance to yet but um or or if she i guess she could have the night before but is it Im- uh, like is there, it implied also... that she told her there or i don't know about that like, is it, is, is no. it a spoiler to ask like does dina ever know that i don't think it's ever explicitly stated that she knows okay yeah. you can maybe assume that she does but i don't think there's anyone that ever actually there's never a conversation about it yeah so really only tommy understands like the breadth of what has been happening up to this tommy point. or maybe his and maybe his wife maria yeah. Yes, yeah. You could assume. Maria probably pieced it together. And, smart and Abby's a- Abby's dad. Yeah, well... <laughs> up, up in heaven there with Fido. Um, <laughs> um, but it's... Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's a case of, like... I think there are very practical reasons why Ellie would never reveal that immunity. Like, A, it makes anyone who knows a target right like i think she saw that with with joel and um understands that like she has commodity even if there's not a way to make a vaccine right now you don't think there's somebody out there that would try hacking her to pieces and dissecting her just to see if they can make a vaccine we've seen a lot worse in this dystopia so um i think there's a very real like self-preservation aspect and also like guilt like you know she probably feels a lot of guilt about what's been happening and that she is not processed properly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um so she probably feels guilty and feels like if she tells jesse jesse might turn on her and and say like you know yeah you did fuck up like why are we even like i can't believe you did that like um so there's definitely some aspect of this that is Maybe not, maybe not like has not processed it yet, but definitely like the guilt of the situation, the weight of the situation is weighing on her to the point that it would just be easier to lie. And hey, that's how lies get perpetuated is it's just easier to keep lying. So um, we, we keep moving forward. We keep talking about how Dina's going to need help. You know, there might be some, some reason to stay here and get some revenge, but Dina needs help. Um, there there's some cool combat in this section. I don't know. We've talked a lot about the combat up to this point, but I was just really enjoying it again in this area between the wolves and mm. the the part that I gets have. really good is after we separate uh, with Jesse. But uh, there's there's some good stuff here. I haven't talked about the combat, so let me just say 
underrated part of the last of us series absolutely gameplay it's so good it's I was, so fun i i was telling ken so ken blake how do you play the last of us part two like like are you uh are you like an assassin mm. are you like a stealth player or do you go a bit louder mm. so first playthrough definitely stealth mm-hmm. the second playthrough i'm playing on easy because i'm just kind of plowing yeah. through it and so I'm goddamn Rambo up in there. It's fun as shit. There, explosions <laughs> everywhere. Shotgunning limbs across the goddamn stratosphere. It's really fun. Uh, <laughs> it's. I see a dog. Game over. I mean, look, the dogs. I, I've done it multiple times now where I'm like, oh, there's a scent trail. Be careful. The dog will follow you. I was like, yeah, it'll follow me right into a trip mine. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah, exactly. That that scent trail becomes a new tactic. Yes. Of yeah. murder. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so fun to play that way. I've been having a blast. I'll mm-hmm. go in and see like 30 dudes and I'm like, I could clear this in three minutes tops. And I do. Ken got really great. mad at me because there's a section in the last part where there's a guy like strung up and being interrogated by a bunch of scars and they're trying to yeah. get information out of him. And as they're doing that, I shot an explosive arrowhead at the dude who was strung up and killed him and all the scars around ah. him. <laughs> and Ken was like, there, there was dialogue there that you missed and i was yeah, like yeah but they like... were all there <laughs> i was going to have to kill them right <laughs> i see both of your all's points i want to side with kim but also it was the eric first i wish game mention of lev <laughs> like yeah yeah I, I i see what ken is saying but also i kind of want to see eric's footage because that sounds really entertaining mm. oh ken you yeah, ken watched it ken watched it happen <laughs> <laughs> i was i was streaming it in a discord while i was playing and ken was watching and yeah, he was horrified. <laughs> I didn't know that was the first mention of Lev. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I guess I didn't pick up on that. Did they say Lev's name specifically? Uh, they said the other name. Yeah, Lev's, oh. Lev's dead name, yeah. Which, okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I find that this game, like, rewards you well no matter how you play because, like, at this point, I'm crafting, like, the ability mm-hmm. to make a bunch of Molotovs and trip mines. Like I went all the way down the explosives tree uh, and just made really stupid big stuff. And I also feel like there's so, there's so many ways to get in and out of stealth now because of the grass and stuff like that, that yeah, it's, it's really nice to be able to go loud and then kind of reset a Mm. conflict or just use the chaos to like find a new angle and then start attacking again. And it's just, it's really sad. I don't AAA combat is so weird for me sometimes. Cause like I like God of war. I don't think it's bad combat, but I do think it feels similar to a lot of other combats I've played before. And last of us is one of the games where I'm playing it. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of similar, but I like between playing mass mm-hmm. effect and playing the last of us, like they feel like two very distinct modes mm-hmm. of third person shooter. And yeah. honestly, last of us feels just as inspired by like immersive sims you're like dishonored and stuff mm. like that as it does uh you know anything like gears of war and so sure the combat also like and metal gear solid sim. you have to mention metal gear solid but oh sure um the combat also like speaking to immersive sims also unexpectedly rewards you sometimes like mm-hmm. one thing i enjoy ha- uh 
I don't want to say one thing I enjoy doing because I don't know how to do it, but it'll happen occasionally is I'll use a Molotov on a um, on an infected and they run around when they catch mm. on fire mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll bump into each other. Yeah. And when that happens, they'll set another mm-hmm. one on fire and it's mm-hmm. always a little treat, um, <laughs> which feels very much like the unexpected outcomes of like a Dishonored or something. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I love it when games do that, when they let me set one thing on fire and then set another thing on fire because of that you'd, thing on fire. You would fucking love Fortnite, man. The fire in that <laughs> game is out of control. Look oh, forward to so the, good. the Normandy FM Fortnite season. It's just, it never oh, ends I'm, and we just pivot to a Fortnite podcast. <laughs> I'm here for that, dude. Oh, my Lord. No, it's all about Roblox these days. That's that's where the money is, is Roblox. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can not get me to play that. I already begrudgingly play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, we do get some some fun jokes about uh, the convention. It is weird going to the convention center. Like this is the second time we've been here. I think in the Seattle convention center, mm. um, and it is weird. Also, because like that might be a thing we do again this year, and I keep thinking about that. But yeah. um, like. It's it's just bizarre, uh, but, but it, there there are some cute remarks of like born in the wrong time yeah. and all that. Which was uh, I didn't get the dialogue with uh, us telling. I guess I didn't go in the bookstore that uh, we tell Jesse that Joel thought that Ellie had a crush on him. No. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think that might have been an optional dialogue. So if you like, you ran too quickly, you might not have gotten the prompt for it. Or I was too busy murdering or something, something. like that. Yeah, my my bloodlust ruined the exposition yet again. <laughs> yeah, but I I did like the uh, the convention center stuff specifically because it was nice that like some of these sort of out of time conversations mm-hmm. that these characters can have can be something that's not completely fucking tragic like the the queer bookstore was in day one, and it can just be kind of like mm-hmm. a funny kind of like levity thing. Yeah, I I also want to note there is this part that's like, um, talking about like storybooks and stuff like that and. Jesse mentions like his mom is going to be excited about mm-hmm. the baby. Yeah. And I was in my head, I was thinking like, that's, I guess they have not really crossed that bridge yet. Cause like who is going to take like parental ownership of this child, you know? Cause like, what? I mean, we're about to, we're about to get to another, is this where we also have the, the talk about like, wasn't there was it in this or was it in the last one where they mentioned like something about dina keeping the kid that was that was this one as well because it was uh, a little bit before um yeah like yeah. I mean, the fact that jesse even asks in that way like shows that he clearly values dina's autonomy to like do what she pleases with mm-hmm. her body and what she wants to do with the kid um but i think i mean they probably all know will know each other well enough that like if the baby is kept that jesse will play a role in that child's life regardless of the relationship status so mm-hmm you have to imagine that the kids get raised like, you know, as in olden times where it's more like the village is raising the child and not necessarily like the discrete parental units that, you know, were given rise because America had cars and, and would transport to and from and have more discrete homes. There's probably yeah. more of a village vibe yeah, to I mean, Jackson. That was even what we saw with the kids that like Dina was playing, like had the snowball fight with in the first, like mm-hmm. there is clearly like, it's a small enough enclosed space that like everyone's kind of like, is present throughout that. So, mm-hmm. how much did you all talk about the snowball fight? Uh, I mean, a little bit, a, little a bit. lot. 
It's one of my favorite tutorials in video games. It's good shit. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I understand the need for tutorials, but I also, you know, as a seasoned mm. gamer, I absolutely hate tutorials that talk down to the player or like infantilize them to teach mechanics, mm-hmm. like outriders. Um, <laughs> a game I quit mid tutorial because I was so over it. You don't um, like that they were like, "Hey, shoot the targets, <laughs> chief." Oh look my at the god, lights. no! Yeah, I mean it's like I almost like as bad tutorial, as so. it's almost as bad as um yeah Halo One's tutorial. <laughs> it's why like, yeah yeah. But uh, I exactly. like Halo One's tutorial. Sure, but a is, different era. That's but twenty then everybody years ago, did Halo know. One's tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love the snowball fight is mm-hmm. that's how you learn how to do combat i think that is so fucking clever and mm-hmm. i wish more games did stuff like that anyway that's like that it was like a character moment of like showing that like yeah these two um like dina and ellie were like involved with like the community and like that dina clearly like loves children and is like down to be around them and you know so it was, it was cute and that's the int- that's the introduction to dina yeah. right greatest character in video game history some might All say now just saying. Did you see her in the Devolver press conference? Mm-mm. She was in it. Yeah. She's one of the uh, extras in it. Oh, I, huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, go back and watch it. You'll see her. There's, uh, there's like at least one scene where she's like very prominently on camera. And it's like, God damn, there's, there's Dina. <laughs> I, did, I did not watch the Devolver conference very closely because I'm used Probably to just Probably for being, the best. I mean, like, I dig that they do what they do, but I'm always just like, it's, it's not for me. It's, so I'm it's just also like, okay, like yeah, in the midst I'll of, catch up with. I would say it's also like in the midst of fucking everything else in E3. It's like I only have so much time. I gotta yeah. skip to the actual content that I can write yeah. about. So I well, miss... so someone hit the boys DM and was like, "Dina's in the Devolver press conference." So you know, I had I had to go support yeah, Blake, the Queen. Blake had to flip yeah. it on, you know. Um, <laughs> not fucking lying. It's appointment viewing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we. We're, we're moving around and we finally get an idea of where we need to head thanks to a Ferris wheel. Uh, and we figure we're going to get there by using the waterways. And this is like one aspect of Seattle that I wish had been explored a little bit more. And maybe we'll get some of it in the other half of this game. But the idea that they have to use like waterways and boats to get around some parts mm-hmm. of the city. And especially like, I always think that's cool. Like that, the very like concept of Venice fascinates me. Like, it's, I'm like, that's just they they got boats. They got boats instead of cars. That's wild. Um, the very concept of Venice, a new book by Eric Van Allen. <laughs> there are a lot of possible episode episode titles that are just coming coming through this so far. The very concept of Venice fascinates me. <laughs> it's Venice, right? That's the one in Italy that's like floating yeah. and sinking and stuff. Yeah. Okay. No, it's Atlantis. Well, no, that one sunk already. That's oh, and they built spoilers. Venice. On top I haven't of got Atlantis. to that. Oh, I haven't got to that part yet. Spoilers. It's it's a very good movie by Disney. Disney. Made that right? Yeah, yeah Disney's. Yeah, mm-hmm. Disney made that. Yeah, and never made another one. Shame about that. That's not true at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we start scheming to get a boat, and uh, then we hear radio chatter of a sniper. Who's, who's doing some stuff and, and we're like okay that's Tommy then Tommy's the only mm-hmm. one left that's going to be messing with people here um, and we have a little bit of a disagreement with Jesse where Jesse wants to go just find Tommy and get this thing taken care of and uh, Ellie's like hey uh, 
what what about if we just go to find Abby instead? Because clearly that's where Tommy's headed. So we should just go to find. And hey, if we murder Abby while we're there, mm. bam, two birds, one stone. Come on, let's let's get yeah. on the murder Abby train. Um, and Jesse sees right through it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's like, I know what you like, and, and he's just like, look, you know, if the, if this is it, like, I'm not gonna save you again. Like, we're not gonna rescue you again. Uh, and Ellie's just like, yeah, I just. This is what I got to do. Mm. Uh, this is where I started getting that theme of like, what is Ellie willing to sacrifice to like, where is Ellie willing to not be selfish, but be selfless. Mm. And here mm. she's selfish. <clears throat> she wants revenge, like more great band. Yes. In this moment, she wants it more than she great wants band. anything else. <laughs> <laughs> she wants revenge. And in this moment, what a, what a double bill. Bam, I'm on it. Don't worry. Mm. Um, we do a whole bunch more murdering in a really cool set piece, by the way, that heavily reminded me of Rise of the Tomb Raider because that game also had a lot of like going into the water mm. and surfacing and then killing somebody yeah. and back into the water. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, maybe we should do Tomb Raider for our next season. <laughs> no, we, oh, should, wow. we should do only two Tomb Raider games and no more than that. Um, you should do Dead Space next. That'd be an interesting. Oh, one. that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good idea. I I don't know if it's in the notes, so if it is, I apologize. But um, and and we're gonna talk about it or something. Oh yeah, here it is. The arcade. I rem- yeah. I love that set piece with the bloater. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it is the uh, the bloater boss fight where he's crashing through the cabinets. Yep. Yeah, it is very very fun and very tense. Um, I rem- I remember my first playthrough of that was one of those. One of those uh, peak gamer moments where I took it down with like my very last bullet mm. and I had like a sliver of health and it just felt so fucking satisfying. Yeah. Uh, love that set piece a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say like once we get on the boat, like once we steal the boat and kind of take off into the waterways, uh, that was a really cool, honestly, like it felt short section mm. of the game because I thought it was going to be a lot larger than it was. Yeah. And we mm. get like, a little bit of lore like we find a note that says like you know the reason why they're called shamblers and why shamblers exist here because seattle's wet (laughs) um and we we get into one really cool part where we can go like into this really high up like overpass Mm. like train sort of situation and like just pick off uh scars and wolves Mm. from the top there uh, which was really, really fun. And then I dove into the water below, <laughs> which was not advisable, but it worked. So I don't care. Um, and then obviously the arcade fight that you just mentioned, which can, I think you also watched me play through that yeah. section. I watched play through the part game. where, yeah. which, which I'm thinking I might not do anymore because I, I came to this, to the arcade prepared. Like it was like, not that I, for, oh. not that I would have forgotten, but like, I was just like, okay, I need to save all my explosive shit for when I have to fight the bloater later. So I had like a bunch of Molotovs. Yeah, I just, and... I just threw Molotovs at him. Like, the but whole I do time. remember like the first the first time I played through, I was like not prepared for it, and it was a lot of like mm-hmm. having to set up like trap mines for him to come at me and then uh, yeah step over. Did you see the Jack and Dexter cart racer in the arcade? No, I didn't. Not this time because I, I knew they did that in Left Behind, but I didn't, I didn't remember seeing it in this yeah. one. Left Behind, and I think the first one. I think there's. Oh, there's a board game in the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah. There's a Jack and Dexter and Uncharted mm-hmm. board game you can find. Uh, but we yeah. move through all this boat stuff. We just do a lot of boat things. Which and then... I, I do want to point, like, give them props to the boat because I think it was like pretty the decent. Boat does like, not suck. yeah, like yeah. it is very easy apparently to like have really shitty 
water sections and boat sections and shit and like and in in Naughty Dog's uh, history they have because like the the boat shit in Uncharted One fucking sucks like infamously terrible moment in that game that makes a lot of people put it down yeah um so it's just like <laughs> growth growth yeah that's right uh but then we we take the and this is something i think anybody who's been in a boat before and so at, at this point i was like oh ellie's never really been in a boat has she um we we take it out into open waters mm-hmm. to get to the aquarium and boat boat don't work in the big open ocean mm-hmm. <laughs> as we quickly find out uh there's a different i, I didn't i would not have known that until just now yeah i mean literally like there's there's a oh, I thought very it was, big difference. i thought it was bad video game luck just like oh we need to make sure you can't just smoothly sail yeah, i had no clue you're not supposed no, to do that i mean so the the thing about it is like you as you see like the further you get out into the ocean the larger the waves get. And so the bigger a sure. boat you need to be mm. able to crest the waves or else you're literally going wow. to get tumbled over mm. by what's happening. So that's why, I mean, this sounds like really stupid when you word it out like this, but like, that's why big boats go in the big ocean and small boats well, go sure. in the small ocean. <laughs> it makes sense. But like, I had just never considered it. When you, you think know, of, I'm, You've Not never had to consider on the logistics of a boat. Yeah, before. I live in Kentucky. You know, exactly. there's no oceans around me. Right. You could take a you take a little pontoon out on the Ohio River. You'd be fine. Don't fall yeah. in. You get lockjaw, but you don't got to worry about waves. <laughs> yeah, I've but if you took considered. that pontoon out and like you even get maybe let's say like I don't know a mile out from the shore, and it already gets bad. I mean, that's why you also don't go swimming out away from the beach because there's yeah. also the undercurrent that can like whip you out from shore real real fast. Yeah. Uh, so giant squid as well. Yeah, and the kraken. You know, you hate it when the kraken grabs you. Exactly. Um. So our boat breaks, <laughs> and we gotta we gotta swim all the way there. Uh, which luckily Ellie learned how to swim, so we're good <laughs> there. Uh, there's no pallet to grab onto. <laughs> um, is there a pallet Easter egg in this game? I think there, there was right? at some point, uh, wasn't there? I don't remember all of a sudden. I don't think so. That, that's that's surprising because like they've done a lot of stuff to like reference past mechanics, like like when Joel knocks Ellie into the water and like she can swim now. They're like, oh okay, she can swim now. Yeah. And then like there's one point where Joel's like wants to give uh, Ellie like a lift up to something, and she's like, no, I I am tall enough now. I've had my growth spurt. So like mm-hmm. they acknowledge <laughs> those things in, in yeah. some pretty cute ways, but I don't remember a palette one specifically. I thought there was like a paladin. Maybe I'm thinking of the one that Dina moves to get into oh, right, right. the lookout, but I don't think they like call explicit attention to right. that. Um, Missed opportunity. Yeah, you hate to see it. Um, we get into the aquarium, which is a very like tense moment, I think, because I was literally like stealth walking through a lot of it just because I assumed that there was going to be like something that jumped out at me or anything mm. like that. Um, but we kind of just find a lot of remnants of what looks like people were camping out here, tools, sleeping bags, stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then we finally find, there was also uh, like, we find Owen on the, on the way. And there was also like a, like what looked like a surgical setup, like with bloody wrapping and shit. And like something mm-hmm. clearly has gone down here. And we also find Owen's firefly pendant. Mm-hmm. So we know that Owen has probably been here. Um, and we do, we get to a room and we find Owen and Mel arguing. They're talking about Abby. They mentioned that, uh, Abby's on some kind of island that nobody ever comes back from. 
Uh, Mel is saying that she doesn't want to risk her life for Abby and Owen is snapping back about it. Um, and as Mel turns to leave, uh, Al- Ellie has pulled a gun on both of them. Uh, and obviously Owen recognizes us. Owen knows what's up. Um, we ask where Abby is and um, Mel demands like, how do I know you won't kill us? Um, and, and Ellie says like, you can, you can live through, I will let you live if you tell me where Abby is. She does the old Joel trick of you point at the map and you point at the map and they better match up. Um, and Mel is like, uh, down for it. Like Mel is going into point and then Owen gets feisty Mm. and tries to grab the gun and uh, we end up shooting him in the gut. And then when Mel comes at us with the knife, is this also, we have to QTE this part Yeah, with, with the knife Yeah, uh, to get her off. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we push her off and then uh, we, we stab her. We don't <laughs> look at this point. It's getting a little bit nebulous, but <laughs> uh, she gets stabbed in the neck uh, by Ellie and uh clearly dies uh we we get up back up with the gun and go over to owen and as he's bleeding out um he he ekes out the words that she's pregnant um and so ellie runs over to mel opens up her jacket and realizes she has killed a pregnant woman um which again was a thing that the player knew Mm -hmm. uh Yeah. yeah i mean like you might not have connected it because you only learn it in dialogue from owen at the very beginning of the game so if you've been playing this over a long period of time or you just weren't paying attention or didn't retain that name somehow you might be like oh that's her so but this is like a moment where it's like we knew this information coming in um but it is still like it hits a little bit obviously because of dina and all that there's some clear parallels to draw um but um She's she's killed a both someone who was involved in the death of Joel, although maybe a bit of a conscientious objector to it throughout the process, as we saw uh, during Abby's side of things as well, because Mel was also like clearly not into it when they mm. were there. Um, Owen men- makes mention that, oh, seems like she was part of the group that wanted to leave Jackson and just leave it all behind and stuff like that. Um but obviously this has affected Ellie a little bit because now she has killed, you know, killed a life that was being conceived. Uh, and uh, we, Tommy comes in to get us out of there. Tommy and Jesse show up and we get out of there as our map of Seattle uh, is left on the ground. You know, that map that we uh, marked up like, mm. <laughs> like bananas and maybe wrote a big old X. You are here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, Boy, that's the part that I think about a lot is I'm like, did somebody write like you are here on this map? Cause I like, mm, but mm. we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but this part specifically with Owen and Mel, I, um, not to sound heartless. I felt like this was maybe the part where it felt like naughty dog was really trying to be like, Oh man, that's fucked up. isn't it look what you just did. And, or look, not look what you just did, but look what just happened. And, I, I was maybe it was because it was like fresh off of Nora and a lot of what we talked about last week that I was still thinking mm-hmm. about and stuff. But I did have that moment again where I was like, man, this game really just wants to like really twist the knife when it when it goes for it. Like it, it doesn't. Yeah. In a way that part one did not. And I'm still 
back and forth on how I feel about it. I think, you know, I think in some cases it's been good so far. We also did not mention that we murder the shit out of a dog on our way into the aquarium uh, in a way that is not like gamified as with the other dogs, but is a moment where we explicitly like hit the button, hit the QTE to stab the dog. And that as, as I'm aware of through osmosis of this game is, is kind of turned around later on in the second half of this game. And I am still just feeling like this game is really honing in on the violence in telling its emotions. And I don't think it's doing it just for the sake of violence, but I do think it has like a stronger focus on how intimate and aggressive and like just raw emotion there is in this violence Mm -hmm. that is happening as opposed to where, when, when Joel killed people in the last of us, it felt very methodical, right? It felt very um, like he's, he's a trained killer. So that helps but he is a person who is doing it because he is trying to do a thing and survive. Whereas Ellie's, you know, maybe it, it, this is because Ellie has had a choice in all this. Ellie has been electing to undertake all of this. Mm. And Joel mostly kills out of necessity rather than desire to kill. But I I, think um, I'm interested in what y'all think there. hmm, There is a, there is this, there is another scene involving another pregnant person being hurt in this game that I think oh, disturbs good. me more than this scene mm. because of the raw viciousness of yep. it. That I, not to say this scene with Mel is a fucking walk in the park, but like it's easier on me to be like, she attacked me, mm. Ellie defended herself, than the one you see later right. on where. There is, it's very much a malicious Mm. intent, hyper violent moment um, exacted upon a pregnant woman um, that honestly, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, was maybe slightly a little too far, especially with a a line delivery that comes immediately afterwards. It just felt a little too much for me, but this didn't really I guess to to I, I guess my blush, my first blush on it was why does Ellie care now I'm after everything thing. else? Yeah, think, well, after everything else, my, why is this the thing? Well, my feeling is that like ultimately, like regardless of the way that shit is framed, you can mm. easily like I think there's like a very easy argument to make that everyone that she has killed has either been like a wolf that's been trying to kill them. Like has orders to shoot him on sight, or they are responsible for Joel's death in one way or another, and you know you didn't have to hold the golf club to be responsible in that way. And so, like I think when it is Mel, I I think it is less about killing the pregnant woman than it is that she has killed the the child, and that that is an innocent. No, I agree. Basically, like coming to the crossfires or something that she was doing. Um, Yeah. So, like I think that is where it gets. I think I think that's what makes it different. Not necessarily Mel, but that like her child was caught in all of this as well. Yeah, maybe I phrased it wrong because I I agree with what you're saying. Mm. I just don't think it landed for me personally on an emotional level. Like, after everything that's already happened in the game, it's like, yeah, that's really fucked up. And I can empathize with Ellie being upset by it. Mm. But I don't think it's emotionally resonating with me right now. Maybe that says more about me as a person <laughs> than it does anything else. But this moment doesn't do a lot for me in terms of like looking at it and be like, oh, damn, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it just never really hit me very hard. Mm. I think it just don't all speak at once. (laughs) Don't all speak at once. You you (laughs) I I was just going to say that, like, it does feel like very, like they're working the knife a bit. Like it's not. And and I'm sure like from what you're saying about this other scene that there's probably a little bit of it too. That's intentional to like kind of, you know, really drive home how painful this can be for the person watching it and playing it. and, And especially for Ellie, but I feel like the thing that's maybe trying to be conveyed and the, the theme that we're touching on here is, is the idea that like Ellie has elected to like do more violence and allowed it to happen interjected. She could have walked away from Mm. Owen and Mel easily waited or waited or anything, but, or, or, you know, gone with Jesse or any number of things, but she elected Mm. to put herself here and to, to do this. And and maybe that's where it gets money for me is because then it kind of turns into like, oh, well, you know, she did kind of kill in self-defense. Like there there was somebody coming at her with a knife. Um, same way with like the Vita girl um, where it was like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, she had a name at some point, but I can't she, remember. Well, I mean, she's, she's not so far as we have gotten in this game yet. No, they they said something when the ambient dialogue, when you're in that area, oh, that's true. Like, that's oh true. she's probably oh, down there playing. Yeah. yeah, I remember things about video games, Kenneth. Well, you never you remember her name? <laughs> she, no, her name's Whitney. Play... <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is it? Whitney. Um, oh. Whitney. Okay. Shouts um. out, friend of the show. <laughs> Probably not anymore. <laughs> yeah, especially not after my playthrough. <laughs> but I, Blake, I, I undertook experiments to see if I could destroy the Vita. Like you can destroy so many other things and it did nothing to the Vita, but everything let's say around the Vita was affected by my, <laughs> by my undertakings. <laughs> you telling me a, a PlayStation four exclusive published by Sony interactive entertainment won't let you destroy Sony. <laughs> will not uh, let you destroy Vita prop. The, the Vita means wow. life, apparently immortal life. And it's, that's interesting because based on everything I know about the Vita, Sony has done a really good job of destroying that in its memory over the years. You think they would allow you to But not enough Sony... specifically. It was like really adamant. We got to keep this thing alive. <laughs> Sony is by not ever developing for it. They're worried that people will discover the secret of the Vita's immortality. And so they had to bury it. They had to bury the truth. It's out there. Follow the uh, receipts. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm always this, this game's messaging sometimes just doesn't feel as straightforward and direct as the last of us part one does. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because it wants to live in that gray area a little bit more. It wants to have that, you know, the same way that Joel's actions at the end of part mm-hmm. one can feel justified, even if you yourself don't agree with them. But I feel like here it is an interrogation of everything that Ellie is doing. But I think the fact that it's also just having trouble getting that messaging across and that conflict across, I'm not getting it as much from Ellie as I'd like to be. So, um, I don't know. I'd like to see where this goes, especially as we move around viewpoints and maybe get more of a different view of what's going on. Uh, my final thoughts on the aquarium scene were twofold. There, there was one mm-hmm. it was like the fact that Ellie like tried to do Joel's trick and just it didn't work out for her. It kind of like <clears throat> I had a couple of readings on that. Like one is like Ellie might 
in spite of what she's doing, might not be cut out for a lot of, like, the heartless shit that Joel does. Like, the, you know, the precision with which she was able to do those things. And I think that movie just says, that, like, you know, one, she's younger. She, two, like, she's not as far gone, I think, as Joel was when it came to that kind of shit. Um, but also, like, the fact that Owen was, like, as adamant to, like, fight against it was showed that these characters, like, meant more to each other than, like... They, like, they weren't going to always necessarily just, like, sell each other out to save their skin or anything like that. And that was so... What... In uh, the following places that I did after my first one... Because I, I distinctly remember texting my brother when I was playing it for review. Uh, and, like, you know, there was nothing out about the game yet. Um, that I was in the home stretch as I was headed to the aquarium because I thought that was going to be, like, near the end of the game. But it's, like, very apparent to me now, like, just how much story has le- been left unsaid at this point. And because I think like we're gonna get when we get to a like a transition that's going to happen in a little bit, um, there has been a bit of a backlash about it because like the game does not end when it seems like it's going to initially, but also just like I'm looking at it all now like whether it's ambient dialogue or like the sh- fact that like Mel and Owen are talking about some other thing that Ellie is not seeing right now, like there is clearly more story to be told like the story's not over yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's just, like, it's maybe more apparent when you have played through the whole, or like for the second time, and you, you get the breath of where it's all going to go, because, like, it is, it is interesting, like, how Ellie-centric somebody's view might be of this game the first time they play through it, and, like, not really paying attention to all the shit that's happening on the outside of what she's focused on. Like, she's very solely focused on one thing, but the world is, like, communicating to you as the player that, like, shit is going on beyond what you're focused on right now. So that is just something that sticks out to me now as I'm replaying it. Yeah. Um, I feel like this game up front really communicates that it's going to be about different people. I mean, obviously you switch between Ellie and Abby at the beginning, but as you were saying, like there's stuff going on that as I was playing, I was like, they're talking about a lot of things that we haven't seen. So mm-hmm. either like this is a poorly written game or there's, there's, going, there's, to more viewpoint, there's going to be a viewpoint switch at some point. Yeah. Um, and obviously I knew coming in that there was going to be, but, uh, we, uh, we drop back to Ellie and Dina in the back room together. Uh, Dina's still having a bad time. Uh, we got to get her out of there. Uh, things are clearly not good. And we, uh, meet up with Jesse and Tommy who are planning a route back to Jackson. I like that it's unspoken, like that they don't say like, so we got to go back to Jackson then. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're just... They're already planning it, mm. and and Ellie's just like, okay, um, and but Tommy does like give us you know the dad the the father figure speech mm. of like, she gets to live. You got are you okay with that? Is that going to be okay? Mm. Um, and Ellie's just like, it's got to be. It's it has to be. And so I think that's the moment where, I think, the switch there is very important mm. and. And I think that's maybe the culmination of the Mel stuff is the horror of what of Ellie realizing what she's done to Mel and, and to the people around Mel and then realizing that like Dina could find herself mm-hmm. in a similar situation. Um, I think that's what flips it because before up to that point, like Ellie was still willing to pursue Abby and go after her to the de- detriment of getting back to Jackson, finding Tommy and getting out of there. Uh, but at this point, like she's on board, she's and you know begrudgingly, begrudgingly yep. but still. Um, and so things kind of settle in a way that 
might unsettle <laughs> people. Uh, they're kind of joking and talking about a necklace that Tommy found and all that. Um, Tommy uh, heads over to grab his necklace out of the uh, the lobby. Uh, and we, we have a little bit of chatting with, with Jesse about how we're doing. Uh, and then we hear some sounds in the lobby. And we bust in there. And bam, Jesse's dead. Just immediately, like second that door opens that dude is shot and dead on the floor and we we look up and abby has tommy on the ground with a gun pointed at his head and i think she's holding the map if i remember correctly or she i don't i don't think so i thought i could have sworn she was holding the map because i i wanted to say like there was a moment where i was like that fucking map <laughs> but it's um, maybe that was just me like picturing it in my head, but I want to say that, that, that happened anyways. Um, anyways, uh, she's got Tommy on the ground and we're like, Hey, stop, come on. And then she's like, nah, nah, you toss your fucking gun. <laughs> and, um, and Ellie says like, I know why you killed Joel. He did what he did to save me. There's no cure because of me. I'm the one that you want. Just let him go. And, as Abby clearly lets us know, that's not the reason why this is happening right now. And she says, you killed my friends. We let you live and puts her points her gun at Ellie and says, you wasted it. And then black screen and welcome to the point of the story. I like, so there's, um, I have a running joke with, with some of my friends I went to college with, cause we would, we had seen a bunch of Christopher Nolan movies all in a row. And, uh, if you ever watch a bunch of Christopher Nolan movies all in a row, you will realize that he puts Michael Caine in his movies to tell you what the point of the movie is. <laughs> and so we have a joke like, here comes the butler here to tell us the point of the movie. Um, and here we go. <laughs> this, is the, <laughs> this is the Michael Caine moment. Where he's like, it's about revenge, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> like, that's that's what's happening here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thoughts, Kenneth about this moment uh my thoughts on it are so intertwined with my thoughts on like where this we're gonna revisit the scene at some point and Mm -hmm. my thoughts on the scene are so intertwined with the knowledge that i have when i come and see it a second time um because right now it's, I guess that's what I'm, where I keep coming back to. It's like it's hard to talk about this scene at all without talking about what the the things that have to happen to get us here. Because right now we have seen mm-hmm. it from a very particular perspective. We have seen or like we've heard tangentially that shit's going on that goes far beyond anything that we've seen or done at this point. And um, you know we've been going after this woman. Like we, I mean we have gone after her friends for the majority of this game. But like we've ultimately been trying to get to this woman specifically and. You know, we demonize her because she did what she did, and whether we agree with it or not, we, that's what Ellie's viewpoint is, that she is the killer of my father figure. So it just kind of leaves you wondering, like, who is this woman? What's her deal? Why, why, what led her to travel across the country to fucking Jackson, Wyoming, of all places, to find a man in the middle of the apocalypse when... Finding people is not easy, and you have to go on, like, word-of-mouth shit and just hope that shit is still the same by the time you get there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just... I'm, I'm ready to learn about her. I want to know more about Abby. That's that's my thoughts right now. 
Blake, what about you? Same as Ken. Uh, I remember thinking I was about to wrap this game yeah. up, and then uh, what I assume will be the opening of your next episode, I was like, oh, this is a very long game, yeah. I presume, by what just happened. Um, and only to find out, uh, I, I was just entering the best part of the game, really, if you ask Some me. Some would say. No. With, uh, with the second best character in the game, besides Dina. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think Kim, Ken summed it up very well. Um, I think, I think the game builds up to the reveal of what is to come very well and mm. gives, like, despite the a, a, antagonistic feelings it b- builds in you towards Abby, builds the story in such a way that you can't help but want to know mm-hmm. what her deal is. Um, yeah. And I find that very cool and interesting yeah. as a storytelling method. Yeah. And I think even even in the midst of what we've been doing, Abby's been kind of an enigma, like in the midst mm-hmm. of all of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even when we do like reach our friends, like Abby was apparently just here. Like like when we were at the hospital, like we were crawling through yeah. the vents and like they were talking about how Abby had just been here and like we didn't know why. We didn't know what she was doing. But then we hear from Mel and Owen that she's apparently on some island. Like what like nobody really knows where Abby's what Abby's doing right now. Like she's just kind of been vibing elsewhere every time we go <laughs> somewhere that like mm-hmm. so yeah, it's like yeah. very clearly there is more yeah. story to be told by this point. Now that you bring it up, I do remember in my first playthrough, there was like a point, you know, pretty deep into Ellie's three days where I was just like, man, the the villain of this game, not much of a presence, yep. you know, and now I guess it, uh, it all makes more sense in retrospect, but maybe I do remember that crossing my mind for a while. Maybe it's because I was the villain the whole time. Ah, <laughs> uh, we really are the last of us when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um the last of we uh so that's like maybe and you know i'm coming into this game not as blind as i was with the last of us part one like mm-hmm. obviously i knew what the last of us part one like i knew what the ending was and i knew what the beginning was but yep. especially like i didn't know anything that happened in winter or anything like that so a lot of those sections were pretty Holy big shit. surprises to me um I know a, a fair bit more I'd say about the last was part two, at least in terms of how it frames its story, which I think is a major part of how it gets its themes across is through the framing that mm-hmm. it uses. And so like going into this, I was like, okay, now we're going to hear out the other side of the story. Now we're going to understand why, you know, like I, I knew that I was building to a halfway point and not to a, a game climax. So I think that does affect it in some mm-hmm. way, but through that lens still, the last line that we have here where Ellie is just like, no, 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 no. Like this, they, they, they don't have anything to do with this. Like I, I know you, you're mad about the cure. You want to kill me. And it's like, it's a moment where like, I think Ellie, you realize Ellie just doesn't get Mm -hmm. what she's been doing and has not been internalizing like what she has been inflicting on others and has not been thinking outside of herself up to this point. Yeah. Cause she's been like, like as, as Abby then says, like you killed my friends. Like what did you think was going in the, in the same way that if Ellie had the gun drawn on Abby, it would be the same way around where like you killed my friends. What did you think was going to happen? And, um, and the way that she's like, you wasted it. Like, 
we gave you this gift of leniency, of mercy, of letting you live when we could have mm-hmm. killed you. Mm-hmm. And I think that also speaks volumes a little bit because at this point I'm, you know, maybe Abby in that moment was not, and it was her group around her that kept her going. And maybe that speaks a little bit stronger to like, how does a person act when they have a support system and people do help them versus like when they are alone and hurting and angry, um, could be another theme of this game, (laughs) but, uh, especially as someone isolates themselves from the people around them. Uh, but it's, I, I think with Abby, like, even though she kills Joel and, and that's a big hit for us as players, Abby's the more merciful one so far. Abby has killed one person so far. Ellie has killed a lot of fucking people so far. (laughs) Like people she did not have to kill. And granted some of that is gameplay wise because we are in areas where we could be sneaking and stuff like that too. But we are injecting ourselves in the middle of an entire faction war and killing everyone in this group that we can find. And so is Tom, like Ellie's hands are not clean either. Like Tommy's doing the same thing. Jesse's doing the same thing. Like we are wreaking havoc on everything that this person holds dear. Like we are not just killing them or trying to kill them. We're trying to kill everything they love and then them. And so like, that's, that's the moment I'm having with this where I'm like, Oh yeah. What we're, what we've been doing so far is real fucked up like we and that's part of the mel stuff again that's part of you know showing all these characters that i mean again done poorly but this is the nora stuff as well like we have inflicted a lot of pain and a lot of unnecessary pain some might argue and that's what abby is almost like to me that's that's what abby is getting across like you could have just tried to kill me and you went after every single person that was in that room, whether they were holding the golf club or not. And there's, there's a, there's an interesting, it it starts to, you know, you all, I assume we'll talk about this in later episodes. Um, But there, the game starts to actually dissect um, who gets to exact vengeance who deserves yes. to yeah who who deserves to which i i have to assume a very um perhaps because of how liberal not to be a fucking nerd for a second but because of how liberally it borrows ideas from the vengeance trilogy this is um inspired by lady vengeance which also is like you know who who earns the right to exact revenge but i in terms of the the revenge plot of this game i think um that becomes it's one of its more interesting ideas is kind of making you wrestle with because obviously the game uh tricks you into thinking ellie is morally righteous and abby is evil (laughs) and then as you dig into it you have it kind of forces you to confront your own ideas on revenge and vengeance and whether or not the act itself is ever justified but also whom among us gets to be the one who exacts that revenge mm-hmm. um of course watch lady vengeance it's a great movie but um i think this game handles it in really really fascinating ways um mostly because it's like 90 fucking hours long so you get a lot of time to really sit and stew on it 
but um yeah i I, i'm really excited to hear what you all talk about in the next few episodes in regards to that because i don't think we can say too much about it yeah um in this episode but i mean it's i was thinking the same thing with like the godfather part one is one of my favorite movies and a large portion of that movie is about how revenge can tear a family apart and just slowly like degrade everything i mean there's a big moment in the movie where this this father whose son has been literally like lit up by bullets and was so horrifically mangled that they weren't going to be able to have an open coffin at his funeral and all that and he he's it's a big moment when he's like i forgo vengeance for my son this has to yeah. end like we cannot and of course then later michael fucks it all up and and takes vengeance anyways but <laughs> it's i i i i think um I think the revenge violence reading on Last of Us Part Mm 2 is um, the shallowest reading you can take on it, but I feel that way about most revenge media. But in terms of this as a revenge product or a product that presents revenge in its most visible elements, um, I think The Last of Us Part 2 fits in the vengeance canon very well. Um, Mm-hmm. I really like Revenge Stories. My favorite album of all time is Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Um, it's a it's a concept I think about a lot or explore in media a lot. And I uh, I find Last of Us Part Two stands up to some of the other really good ones out there. So well, I think good it's, job, Neil and Hallie Gross. Haley Gross. I think job. it's compelling because it forces you to ask the question of who's right. You know. Yeah. What it what is right and wrong, but matters of perspective. And what and, if it's neither of them? Yeah, yeah. And what if it was Joel? Joel Miller innocent. <laughs> you know, that's all I'm fucking saying. Can revenge exist in a society? <laughs> An uh, actual question that's been ruined by the Joker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> three cheers for sweet, sweet revenge. Oh. That's going to end it for day three for us. And hey, you know, maybe end it for Ellie for the time being, uh, because who knows? We might be uh, switching up our views here in the next episode. But as always, we are Normandy FM. We are a retrospective podcast. Uh, we have a number of podcasts that have gone up recently. If y'all haven't gone and listened to the Mass Effect Legendary Edition roundtables yet, you should go do that. We have a lot of really excellent guests on there. We are very happy with them. Thank you again to all those guests that came on and to all of you that supported and listened and also joined up to the Patreon to listen to them early. That Patreon, by the way, is patreon.com slash normdfm. You can head over there and back us. Any level will get you into the backer Discord where you can hang out and chat with us where we will post dumb Mass Effect memes and stuff like that in there. Uh, If you back at the $5 level, you get every episode early as soon as Ken is done editing it. And if you back at the highest level, you get your name shouted out every week. And this week, that list is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin, Just Colin, just the wedge of destiny zach james and kevin hux thank you all so much for contributing we love to see it blake thank you so much for coming on where can the folks at home find your work and follow all the things you do thank you thank you so much i like this podcast a lot i listen to the mass effect seasons and i've never even played those fucking <laughs> games oh you ever touched you them the good ones we got we got good around mass effect 3 Okay, I guess I got to dip back You should in. go listen to the roundtables. <laughs> I feel like the roundtables yeah. is some of my favorite Mass Effect content mm. we've done, like, sure. overall. Yeah, the lineups for those were out of control. Um, so, yeah, I should definitely do that. 
But yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Metallica is Rad. And you can go to your local game stops around the country. <laughs> get yourself a 12-month subscription to Game Informer magazine. The world's number one video game magazine for f- like $14 or some shit. Really a steal when you think about That's it. True. And you can read my work in there. That's about it. That's the only place I'm at. Rest in peace, Game Query. Pour one out. <laughs> Pour one out for that one. Oh, as always, we will see y'all next time for Abby, day one in The Last of Us Part 2, for Ken, for Blake, for myself. We will see you next time.